Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. We all love judging people. Isn't that a fun way to start a homily? You get defensive, and then you said, well, he did say all of us, so that's okay, I guess. And, but we do, and it happens just almost as quickly as we see something or we hear something. We judge so quickly. And then we hear, okay, we're not supposed to judge, and it gets very confusing. But it's not that we're not meant to judge. Even Jesus himself tells us, once you've worked on your own life, then you can cast a judgment on another. Meaning, once you realize how really hard it is to uproot bad behaviors, wrong beliefs, resentment, and get rid of the unforgiveness and turn it into forgiveness, once you realize how hard that is, Jesus says, then you can go ahead and try to judge others. And what you'll find is it's not as easy as it once was. In the gospel today, Jesus uses the images of weeds and wheat and Traditionally, in, the, in our 2,000-year tradition, a lot of saints use this to describe our souls. That in our souls, we have weeds and wheat. Wheat being holy, virtuous thoughts and actions and words. And weeds being all the things that harden our heart and cast impatience and criticisms and maybe saying things we shouldn't like gossip and even other forms of sin. And what we tend to do is when we see someone's weeds on display is we reduce them. And we love doing what therapists or psychologists call all or nothing thinking. That person's all bad. I love this person. They're all good. And the truth is, people are people. And every person has some weeds and every person has some wheat to them. And we're so quick to reduce people to one or the other at times, naively in both cases. I want to tell a few stories uh, about what would have been really wrong for people to cast judgment too soon. There's a gentleman who up until about the age he was 30 was into some new age spiritualities, secular philosophy, He fathered a child out of wedlock. His mom was always praying as hard as she could for him to change his ways. And he, of course, was doing whatever he wanted to do. Whatever he thought would make him popular, whatever he thought would give him the accolades he was seeking after at the time. Had some rough friends at different times. But when he was 30, he started noticing some of his friends in his late 20s begin to change their lives. Some began to start practicing the Christian faith. Some began to believe in Jesus and change their ways. And he started noticing new desires growing in him. He started saying, I I think I need to go this route. And one day he said a famous prayer. And when I say this, most of you are going to know who I'm talking about. He said, Lord, make me chase just not yet. And he heard his final friend deciding to join the Christian faith, and he says, I, I got to do this. I have to do this. And he ran off into a little garden, and he started praying. 
And he heard a voice say, Take and read, tole lege. And he picked up the scriptures that were near him and read from the passage of Romans, and he was converted. This gentleman then went on to be a priest and bishop and probably the most influential writer in the church. His name is St. Augustine. If we stopped before he was 30 and wrote him off, that guy's bad, he's no good, get rid of him. If we only saw the weeds, we didn't know the wheats that were growing in his heart that the Holy Spirit was beginning to cultivate. Here's another one. A woman from the 20th century, early 20th century. She grew up in a Jewish home, but uh, pretty much became agnostic and unbeliever at a young age. Thought, nah, I don't know about that. Was pretty gifted intellectually and became known as a woman in the 20th century of a fierce intellect, going on to get her doctorate and studying under some of the most impressive philosophers in all of Europe. One day she's invited to a dinner party and she's there and she's reading a book all night on a saint. As she reads it, she finishes it, closes the book and simply says, this is truth. Converts, becomes Catholic, becomes a Carmelite nun and ends up being arrested and taken by the Nazis and put to death in a concentration camp. Saint Edith Stein is her name. See, the region judging by appearances doesn't work is because it doesn't work. It doesn't account for all the things God may be doing or just about to do in someone's life or even to our own. To ignore someone and reduce them to their worst things is to ignore how God sees them. It is actually a separation of our own mind and heart from the mind and heart of Jesus. We begin to look at the world through our own lens, whatever that may be, political, blog, social media, your own group of friends, whatever lens you want to wear at a different time, that's how we end up judging people. And Christ came to say, I want to get rid of all the lenses. So you can have the freedom of seeing as God sees. Now I'd like to go to the first reading and name a few attributes of God that we heard mentioned in the first reading to realize how God relates to you and to the people in your life and my life that we're saying, go over there, get out of my face, you're bad, I don't like you, I don't want to be associated with you. Pope Francis calls them the people on the peripheries, over there, those people, whoever the, those people are for you. God has care for all. It's the first attribute in the first reading. Think about like who you care about that's easy to care about. You just love them. Usually good friends, family. Like you just love them. Like they're just, man, I love, it's so easy to love you, to care about you. God has that for everybody, even the person you hate the most. Because God knows what that person can be. He hasn't given up on them. That's why they're still alive. How about more? You have mastery over all things, and that makes you lenient to all. Now, I'm not naive. I've been a priest long enough to know many of us were formed with an image of God where the last attribute ever thinkable was lenient. Okay. You were lied to. Not intentionally, but that's what happened. Okay, sorry it happened, but it's time. You're here today. Time to get going now. What's the truth? The truth is, God is lenient. He's looking for reasons to save you. 
He's hunting down ways to justify and redeem you. He's eager to jump into your heart and convert you. He's lenient. It's you and I that hold the baggage behind us. What's that character that carries his blanket behind him all the time? Linus or whatever? That's us. We just carry our sins from 50 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 minutes ago. We're constantly carrying them. And Jesus is like, I want to get the blanket gone. I want to free you. I'm eager to not reduce you. In fact, I want to glorify you. I want you to share in my own glory one day. He's lenient. What's another one here? You judge with clemency. Clemency is another name for mercy. Does this mean good things are now evil and evil, evil things are now good? No, there's sin. But he responds to us not out of a temper tantrum, not out of a fragile ego, not out of a tick for tack. He doesn't treat you like you and I treat you. He's God, and so he can respond with utter gratuitous mercy. And finally, you give your children good ground for hope. So he's a God always giving us hope. Why? Because you permit repentance for our sins. Do you realize a sincere regret is all you need in prayer to be forgiven? I wish I didn't do that. Tell that to Jesus. He's like, great. There it is. It's all I needed. He sees us as two-year-olds. He's not expecting masterpieces from us in prayer or anything. But he's expecting trust. He is expecting vulnerability and sincerity. The people in your life and in my life that we reduce may be the next St. Augustine or the St. Edith Stein, and we're cutting it short. And instead of being able to participate with Jesus to cultivate wheat, we may be participating with the enemy in cultivating weeds by our condemnation and finger pointing. There's no third option. You're either participating in the Holy Spirit and cultivating wheats in people's lives by giving them kindness, leniency, hope, and forgiveness, or you're participating with the enemy and cultivating weeds by giving harsh looks, condemnation, and impatience. I think we all know what our own hearts need. Let us be kind enough to give it to others. Amen.